you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. This is episode 95. I'm Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to delivering successful retail transformation. Communication and negotiation are absolutely essential elements to make sure that your transformation is a big success and to really make sure that your stakeholders are really on board from across all remits and all functional areas. And there are certain key conversations to make sure that you are really getting the most from your communication and your negotiation. And in these key conversations, it's essential to really communicate, frankly, not just saying the words, but also exploring what is really truly being said. And body language, of course, tells us a huge amount and not just specifically body language, but our faces. So today I've got a really special guest that I'm delighted to introduce you to. She is the Face Whisperer and she is Adrienne Carter. Now Adrienne is a specialist in understanding and interpreting the emotion from our faces and our facial expressions. And what she does is she applies this along with what is literally being said to really understand and make sure that key messages and communications and discussions are as effective as they can be. And she's worked across the world to really help people interact better. She's worked with some massive companies, Unilever, Apple, Coca-Cola, Lloyds Bank, the National Trust, Samaritans and the National Gallery, to name but a few. And she's also a guest lecturer in consumer psychology and behavioural economics at several UK universities. And you may see her in the national media and on telly in the UK, providing expert opinion on people of interest, public figures, and what their faces are telling them about the situation. And she's got some really interesting insights about some various frosty receptions and so on. (laughs) So this ability to read faces has been backed up by 20 years worth of experience in one of the world's leading market research companies, really looking at understanding consumers. You're going to want to make sure that you head over to the show notes page today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 95. Because whilst we're talking about faces and facial expressions, I'm very aware that you can't actually see anything on a podcast. So we're adding in some additional visual elements to help you really understand what things look like. Do head over there, like I say, www.obandco.uk slash 95. And you can also find out a little bit more about Adrienne. So here we go. Here is my conversation with Adrienne Carter, the face whisperer. So I'm very pleased to welcome our special guest today, Adrienne Carter. Adrienne, hey, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you this morning, Oliver? I'm doing really well, thanks. I'm really excited about our conversation, looking at some of the big opportunities with negotiation and some of the big tells that we could all be giving away and 
be making more use of in our face. Negotiation in the world of transformation happens all of the time. Obviously, commercial negotiations with suppliers and other external parties, but also think about governance meetings, resource discussions, capital budget meetings, workshops, and lots of other examples that I'm sure everyone can think about. And often, we end up talking about this win-win, this amazing win-win situation. But I don't think we really achieve it. Often it ends up as win-lose or maybe even lose-lose. Yeah. Adrienne, you focus on helping people with negotiation by reading faces. Yeah. Tell me more. I'm intrigued. Why is it important to read people's faces? So there are 43 muscles in all of our faces. And those 43 muscles create over 16,500 different facial expressions. Wow. <laughs> and of that 16,500, um, 3,000 roughly are directly related to emotions. So what that means is oftentimes our face will reveal way more information than the actual words we use and even our body language. It gives us the fine nuances of what people really feel. Not what they're thinking, because I'm not a mind reader and no one can read minds, but what the face does, it gives us a clue as to what's really going on for someone. Mm. Um, and the way that we verify that is ask a question then, and following that, you know, never assume, uh, one of the, my key sort of rules, I never assume I know what someone is thinking or feeling. It's my job to check out from the information I've seen and verify my interpretation of what they're revealing to me. And we all do it all the time. I, you know, I reveal stuff all the time and people pick up on it. We, we pick up on facial expressions naturally, all of us. The difference with me is I've trained to a level whereby I do pick up the fine nuances, which anyone can do if you've got a lot of time and some spare cash to do it. So it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> From learning this art and skill, um, but it does take time, obviously. Sure. And I remember actually a long time ago learning about body language. And if someone touches their nose, mm. then it suggests that they are lying. But how do you tell the difference between I've just got an itchy nose and that tell? Or maybe even actually, is it a tell or is it actually a bit of a myth? So there are quite a few myths in body language and facial expressions. Uh, and that is one of them scratching the nose. Now, what could be true for the person who's doing it is that they feel uncomfortable and it's a deflecting mechanism, mm. but it's not an actual sign that someone is lying. There are actually, there is no actual one sign that someone is lying. There's nothing, there's nothing you can say for every person in the world. That is a sign that someone is lying. Now there are some, some indicators. Firstly, when people's behavior changes, that is something when someone's behavior changes from their baseline, normal behavior, then there's something going on for that person. That's a giveaway as to, okay, what's changed? What do they not want me to know? What do they want me to know? What, what's going on for that person? There is a facial expression, however, that gives me a clue or gives all of us a clue that actually someone may be saying something they don't fully believe. Mm. So I'm not saying that out lie, but they may say it, but not fully believe it inside. And that's the facial expression of disgust, which is typified with the, the wrinkling of the nose you know, if you imagine going, ugh, yuck, the face that you make as you make that sound, that's what disgust looks like. Right. And people will often do a quick flash of that when they say something that they don't like. They've said it, and it's almost like, I don't really believe that, and I don't really think that. But it's not conscious. None of the, Most of the time, the facial expressions we show, unless you're trained to, to hide your facial expressions or to see your facial expressions, 
you're not conscious that you're even changing your facial expression. So I've had videos of people whereby I've played it back to them and I've said, you, you know, did you realize you did that? And like, I didn't even know I did that. And I'm like, wow, that's a massive expression on my face. So people are making these expressions all the time and, and not even realizing they're doing it. And disgust, the nose wrinkling, you know, the upturned nose, that sound of yuck will be a quick flash. And that will tell me, actually, they're not fully engaged in this or they're not fully bought or they don't like what they've just heard or what they've just said themselves. And to your point, a couple of minutes ago, you're not a mind reader, so you don't entirely know, but it could be something that's worth exploring. How do you go about doing that? It depends what the subject matter is and what they've just said. If I'm in a negotiation and I see the dislike, or, or even if I'm like, you know, with, meeting with a prospect myself. So I've had this recently. I was meeting with a prospect and I said, this, you know, I intend to cover this, this, because I do workshops as well. I intend to cover this, this, this. And I saw the quick flash of disgust. And I said, oh, is, it, is there anything else you want me to add? Or is there anything you want me to take away? Or is there anything that does not quite clear? So it's asking a question, because I've seen something mm. that I now need to understand. I can't just assume they hate everything I've said. They might, And it was actually, there was just one piece that actually, we don't, I don't really want to cover that. We've done that before in other work, so... That's fine. Absolutely. What that means is I can adapt my offering there and then my client or prospective client is fully happy with what I'm going to deliver. So it's it's about asking questions in the context that you're in. Um, sometimes I choose not to respond in any way, shape or form because I think the subject matter we've just been talking about, it's not appropriate for me to ask a question now. Hmm. Just file the information away and you know move on. So it's, it's very much context dependent, but questions are always a great way to clarify what's really going on. Yes. And like you say, it's important if you do see that moment of disgust, then it doesn't mean that they feel disgust at the whole conversation or all of you yeah. in entirety, right? It's just perhaps that one sentence or maybe even just a trigger word, I'm guessing, that could cause that disgust. So in my background of, um, so I, I was a, I worked as a general manager for a shopper research company around the world. Mm. And one of the things we used to interview people and we'd interview them and video the interview with their permission. It was never hidden. It was fully open and we'd get their permission to do so. And one of the trigger words in FMCG land when talking with shoppers and consumers is brand. If we ever use the word brand in a questionnaire, we'd get high levels of disgust because a lot of people, not so much now, but in a few years ago, people would think brands were this bad, nasty thing. So we changed the word to maker or producer, depending on what the subject matter was. Mm. No reaction whatsoever. So the word brands, you know, once you isolate these trigger words, well, we don't use them anymore because that gives us a false read. It's actually not disgusted about the question or dislike the question or dislike their answer. It's actually a trigger word that can skew all of our results. So it's it's really understanding the nuances of what makes people react and when you start seeing really high levels for a word you think okay we need to not use that word because it's triggering a reaction that's not useful to us mm, that's fascinating isn't it there's mm. that one single word yeah amazing and it's quite a global effect actually you know around the world i've worked in over 17 different countries around the world and that's quite a global effect that word brand it's it's got connotations that people don't always respond well to just don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure in the world of retail, I'm sure there are plenty of other uh, words that cause people a, a bit of a yeah. trigger reaction, whether it's omni-channel or fidgetal, my yeah. personal disgust yeah. favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What are some of the other tells that we should be looking out for? So we've got the wrinkling of the nose. 
um, which yep. which may hint at disgust. What, what are some of the other things that you often see in these negotiations or discussions? So one of the other key ones that I help people look out for is genuine happiness and posed or a fake smile. So you know the time when you say to someone, do you like that? And you see this great big beaming smile and the whole face lights up. You think, oh, yeah, they really like that. If you don't see that and you just see it like a, a, just the mouth moves and it's just a smile, nothing going on, the face doesn't light up, but just the mouth is sort of stretched back towards the ears, that's not a genuine smile. Mm. Um, and I always say to my clients, you know, if you're not seeing the genuine smile when you're delivering or offering your services, if you see that polite smile, that person isn't genuinely engaged. So at that point, you have a great opportunity to try and find that genuine smile. So, you know, is there anything else you'd like me to add to this proposal? Is there anything else I can deliver for you? What more would you like me to see? And then you're probing the aspects that's going to make this a perfect proposition for your clients. Because, you know, whenever I deliver a project, if I get to the end of it and I say, you know, how was that for you? If I don't see that genuine smile, I know there's more for me to do. There's more work for me to do. Because if I don't get the genuine smile, I won't get referrals and I won't get repeat business because my client isn't genuinely happy with what I've done. So it's my job and all of our jobs to make sure that we're seeing that genuine smile mm. because that way we make more money. All of us make more money. When, and that's the thing going back to this win-win. If we're not seeing genuine smiles all around the table in negotiations, whether it's internal or external meetings, if we're not seeing those genuine, someone is not entirely happy with what we've got to and we're into a straight to a win-lose or a lose-lose, as you said earlier. Mm. So those genuine smiles will help show where the win-wins are. And another one is fear. So, you know, anxiety or nervousness is another one I look out for. Often when there's discussions around money, if the money isn't where both sides want it to be, you'll start to see levels of um, anxiety, fear. And, and that's typified by sort of the mouth sort of biting of the lip, maybe. You've all seen it or you hear that you know, that, oh, I can't afford that, that sort of sound you might hear. So that that's another one I, you know, there's the disgust, the happiness, genuine or fake, mm. and anxiety and fear are, are for me, like in day-to-day life, if we all start being more aware of them, that gives us so much information to connect better. That's really useful. And I can absolutely think of times where I've seen sort of the forced or um, polite smile, shall we say. Yes rather than that sort of moment of delight and full full phase yeah. and and i'm sure everyone can uh, relate to times where they've had to do the <laughs> yeah. whether it's taking the car in to get fixed or <laughs> yeah, in personal lives or, or in of course in uh, professional lives as well yeah and it's all information you know all this this stuff around the face and expressions and body language is all information that we've all got available to us but most of the time people just aren't aware of it and they one of the things that people can do straight away you know after listening to this podcast is sort of switch it on and think okay I'm just going to be a bit more aware and start to notice what I'm seeing around me um because we've all got the skill to do it mm. I think that's a really great actionable takeaway because it you absolutely are, are right you know we just need to start seeing someone's face whether it's someone you're working with or or, or maybe yeah. you know you know, a partner, friend, whatever, you can just begin to start noticing. And I I guess that's probably part of it. Start noticing, start building up the practice of being more aware and just just looking, you know, okay, I'm seeing someone smile. 
does it feel like a, a real full-on beaming yeah. delight or is there something that's holding them back and then actually like you say use you, you don't know so use the questions yeah. to then explore yeah absolutely that's spot on and one of the things i say when i'm in workshops you know training my clients is turn the television off for 10 minutes and watch it uh, turn the television on sorry watch it with no sound for 10 minutes and then rewind that and then listen to just the sound so don't look at the picture and just listen to what you heard and i tell you you'll start to really hone your skills by doing that by um at the moment most people focus on the voice and what the voice is saying and the actual words and missing the whole lot of the face and the body language and, and reverse as well you know Try it both ways and see which for you is more comfortable and know which one you've got to work on more to be more aware. Mm. And that, that will really start to hone your skills. And the other thing I love to do is go and sit, not at the moment, obviously, but in the past is go and sit in a busy train station, something like King's Cross or Euston Station, and just sit and watch the world go by. And you start to really notice people's behavior. You can tell when someone's in a hurry, when they're stressed, when they're angry. You just need to turn your awareness on and start looking at people perhaps with a bit more noticeability. Mm. Like you say, it's a great actionable tip for people to take away. Now, I have to ask, you know, we're obviously mid-pandemic at the time we're, we're recording this. In the UK, face masks are now mandatory to wear in stores. So obviously they're covering a lot of the nose and mouth area. And around the yeah. world, face masks are obviously increasing in use as well. Yes. Meanwhile... At work, we're sitting doing video conferences all the time rather than perhaps sitting opposite someone in, in a yeah. conference room or a meeting room. How do these social distancing and sort of pandemic protection elements affect how we can read faces, perhaps over a video screen or, or behind a mask? Yeah, so it, massive implications. So somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, will you have meetings? Oh, absolutely, I'll have a meeting. And ideally, I'd prefer to have face-to-face -face meetings. But if the if I've got to wear a mask and whoever I'm meeting with has to wear a mask, actually, I'd rather do it online where there's no masks so I can see the full face. Because, mm. you know, wearing the mask, we do lose a lot of communication. You can still see, you know, emotional stuff and what's really going on for people in the top half of the face. But it's a lot harder. Even with all my training, it's a lot harder for me to read people. Mm. Um, you just got less less data coming to you, right? Fifty percent of the face, and probably more animated elements of the face as well. In terms of those yeah. sixteen thousand yeah. different facial expressions, a lot of them are hidden, right? Yeah. So actually, although I much prefer to meet people face to face, obviously, if I've got to wear a mask to do it, I'm actually going to choose video mm. because then I've got the full face. And, you know, and I say to people, if you're on Zoom, you can have the gallery view or you can have speaker view or you can pin people's video who are talking. I will always make sure that if, you know, I'm communicating with my clients or prospective clients that they are on pinned view so I can see what's going on for them and I can react. Whereas if I'm in the gallery view, I've made everybody in little boxes and that's quite hard to read. Right. Especially if you've got a few people on the call. Whereas if it's, you know, two or three people, that's fine. You can generally see quite a lot. But otherwise, if it gets more than sort of four people, I pin the video of the person that I'm interacting with so that I can have that interaction mm. um, because we get so much information. Even if you're not aware of it, you're getting information all the time. And that is informing what you do next and how you behave. Even if you don't even know you're doing it, you are doing it. Um, I just do it with a bit more awareness because obviously my training. Yeah. So, yeah. 
for me, video conferencing is great because I can see faces. Masks, not so great because I, I've, I really feel hampered with a mask, I have to say. Mm. Both what I give out and what I receive, I do feel it's, it's hard work. So if I'm going to have a meeting, as I said, I prefer it to be on video at the minute until I can get those faces back in front of me. That makes a lot of sense. And I love the idea of pinning key people's videos on, on your Zoom or Ring Central or Teams or whatever uh, video conferencing you're using. You know, if you're sitting there in a governance meeting and there is a key decision maker, yes. or perhaps you're you're talking to your, your transformation sponsor, something like that. Mm-hmm. And actually, you're really caring about their particular point of view. Yeah. Even if they're not talking, yeah. they could be communicating should we say in terms of what yeah. what they're how they're reacting to things so yeah, they absolutely will be reacting to things as well most people just are not aware of the information they give out on their faces and that's that's not a bad thing you know i don't people say to me oh do you, do you limit what you give out no i don't ever try to regulate <laughs> because what's the point i want people to read me i want people to understand how i'm feeling i want people to connect with me in a genuine authentic way you know, mm. we hear a lot about authenticity and I do feel it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment that gets overused. But actually, if we can create genuine connections with whoever internally, externally in our businesses, that's where a lot of transformation comes from because we buy off people. People buy off mm. people that they trust and they like. So creating those relationships is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And I have to ask, do do your your friends and colleagues, do you find them feeling a bit under pressure knowing that you can read all of these different facial expressions, perhaps that they can't react to? Yeah, it is weird how people do react to me. Once people get to know me, they don't react realize I'm not analyzing them every second. Um, <laughs> I had an experience a few years ago. We'd gone on holiday with some of our friends with all the children to Centre Parks, actually. And one of our friends was being really weird. And I kept saying, so-and-so has been really weird. And my friends were like, no, he's not. He's absolutely fine. I'm like, no, he's being really weird. Anyway, it turns out he'd got a secret that he didn't want anyone to know. And all, and he was worried that I was reading him. I wasn't. But what I did notice was he was being a bit odd with me. Mm. He wasn't his normal, usual laughing and joking self. And it came out after a while. And he was like, yeah, I didn't want you to read me. And I was like, the only reason I realized something was wrong because you <laughs> being really odd around me and nobody else noticed it because you were fine with them so when people's behavior changes I do notice that that stuff is going on for them I mean I didn't I didn't challenge him about it because it was obviously something he didn't want to say or Mm. the fact is he wasn't doing it around anybody else I've been in client workshops I can remember a time I was in a big client workshop and I'd sort of delivered some results to them and people knew what I did and at the end of it I I was kind of building no mates in the corner and I kept telling people it's okay I'm not analyzing you now it's all turned off you know Obviously, if you intend to lie to me, I might pick up on it, but I might not as well. Um, so people do get a bit funny about it, but mostly people just relax mm. after a while and just forget about it, which is a good thing. Yeah, that kind of leads me on to one of the things I wanted to talk about. Is, is there a poker face effect where actually you can't read me and I'm, I'm sort of going to give you this steely stare and try and not give anything away? Yes. I mean, the, the best poker players in the world are the ones that don't give anything away and are the ones that can read other people that do give stuff away. Mm. Um, I've got a great clip from Andre Agassi talking about um, when he beat Boris Becker. And the reason he beat him was because he looked for a facial expression that Boris Becker didn't even know he did, and it was a tell. Um, if I can find it, I'll drop it so your listeners can um, see it. A client sent it to me, actually. Wow. And it's 
good. Yeah, it's so powerful because, and he said, he only t- once he retired, he then told Boris Becker what he actually saw. <laughs> and he knew where he was going. It was the, to do with the position of his tongue in his mouth, where Boris Becker put his tongue in his mouth, that Andre Agassi knew where he was going to hit the ball. And that's how he beat him from his facial expression. I mean, how powerful is that? Wow, that really is. Yeah. Particularly from, yeah. from the length of a tennis court away. Yeah. Absolutely, but you could just see where where he positioned his tongue in his mouth, the ball would follow. I mean, how amazing is that? Um, so the poker face effect, yes, people can pull a poker face. They generally end up looking angry if you're not a poker player and not skilled at it. They, gend- <laughs> they generally end up looking angry and quite severe. But yeah, we, you can learn to pull a poker face. I, I don't know why you would if you're a genuine person and want to connect with people, but absolutely possible. You know, the best actors and actresses in the world are the ones that make them believe in their character. And that's the what they do emotionally is what hooks us in to their character. Mm. So you can learn both ways if you look, if you want to put it that way. You can learn to be putting over emotions that you don't feel. For an expert, would spot them, but most people probably wouldn't. They mm. just think, oh, they're happy and move on. When actually, it's a fake happiness. So, yeah, there is definitely poker face stuff going on. Absolutely. Uh, and I guess... That kind of comes back to where we where we began, because if you are looking to really go for this win win, mm-hmm. then you're going to want to be communicating openly with all parties involved rather than, you know, trying to purposefully hide your your own reactions as well. Because actually you you want other people to be able to read you to know that actually you've just had a little moment of disgust that they can explore and you yeah. have an opportunity to share your thoughts. Maybe even yeah. you consciously haven't quite realised, but subconsciously there's there's something going on inside. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's the you know you, what you say about the win win. It ha- for me when I get involved in a negotiation, whether it's internal or external negotiations or mergers acquisitions, whatever it is, I want to be there to help both sides win. I'm not interested in helping one side win and one side lose because it never works well. You get real transformations when everyone's on board. So I worked with a client a couple of years ago, and it was a retailer and a brand. And they decided that they were going to have a closer working relationship and be more open with each other so that they could both win. And that was a brilliant project because they both were coming from the same side Mm. of the table. They both wanted the other to win. So how do we work that? How do we make that happen? You know, my job there was a facilitator to say, okay, Mr. Retailer, there's some people on your team that actually don't really want the win because they're worried about their job or they're worried about their losses or their targets or whatever. So let's help them get on board. Um, and Mr. Brand, you know, you don't want to rip off the retailer, but you feel they might be ripping you off and all this sort of stuff. So get, but if you start from a premise that we both want each other to win, that's something that can be worked out. But if anybody wants to lose, that's the point for me that I'm out because I, I don't like that. I like, um, I like things to be fair and I want everybody to win if possible. Mm. So I'll only work with clients where I'm really sure that there's going to be a win-win and that they both want the win-win because that way we can make some fantastic results um, and it, it really does bring in a lot of money. My clients uh, at the time were working on this this project between the retailer and the brand. Mm. I mean, they both made a shed load of money because they got to a point where they were working together which doesn't happen that all that often, mm. brands and retailers. Um, and they really did make a lot of money because they both wanted the win-win and were w- willing to do the work to get to that point. And they truly are communicating with each other. They're on the same level, they're understanding. And, 
actually respecting each other as well, I'm guessing. And, and as an independent person, I've got no axe to grind. You know, I want pain at the end of the day. That's why I do this, because I want to be paid. But my only, my only job is to help you get to where is a point where you're both going to win. Mm. So neither side felt, even though I was being paid for by one of the sides, neither side felt that I was there for the other side, if that makes sense. It was very clear my role is just to help you both get to where you both want to be. Uh, and that worked really well, actually. That really is amazing. So just as we're coming to the end of the conversation, how can people find out more about you, Adrienne? They can contact me. So my email address is adrienne at thefacewhisperer.co.uk. Um, I have a website, obviously, which is adriancarter.com. And I'm on social media. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, I'm there. If you Google Adrienne Carter, um, you will definitely come across me, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm sure people will be reaching out to to get in touch if they have that big negotiation, that big opportunity to really work well with two different parties and aim for that win-win. And I know you do some amazing stuff as to how how to help facilitate those perhaps traditionally uncomfortable uh, conversations or difficult conversations to really explore and and go in deep and really make sure that it is there for both sides and there is going to be maximum value. Yeah, absolutely. And what helps is really my background. You know, I have 20 years in shopping behavior, consumer behavior, working with all of the global brands around the world. You know, I understand situations that brands have and retailers have. So from both sides as an agency, you know, I worked with both sides um, out in the field. So I, I understand the challenges that both sides have. Absolutely. And I think that puts you in a really, really powerful position to understand the the, the the what is going on and also what's going on underneath as well. Yeah, absolutely. Super. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Retail Transformation Show. Thank you very much, Oliver. Have a super day. Thank you. Wasn't that just an amazing conversation? I found it really interesting. I had no idea that a face could have 16,000 different expressions. So, you know, we're communicating all the time. And certainly when we're doing face-to-face communication, we want to make sure that we are reading people's faces appropriately. I feel that we have this sort of innate ability to read people's faces, but there are some really subtle details that can help us to move the conversation along, help us to have a more open communication, whether it's in a group, a governance group, a negotiation with suppliers or other parties or whether it's even just sharing ideas and having progressive conversations to really move your transformation forward. So I really urge you to take up the actions that Adrienne suggested. Start to be more aware. Look out for those signs of disgust. Look out for the sheer delight or perhaps the polite smile and look out for that fear as well. And if you want to get a few reminders or just clarify what those look like, and actually you can begin to see that, then do make sure you head over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 95. And there you'll be able to find a few more visual elements that you can't see coming through your earphones or your speakers. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in today. I really enjoyed the conversation with Adrienne Carter, and I hope that you did too. Do make sure you reach out and connect with her, particularly if you do have some big negotiations coming up. Perhaps she could help 
unlock that true win-win for both sides that will really help get you motoring. You can find all the contact details that she just mentioned over at obandco.uk slash 95. If you enjoyed this conversation, you may also want to check out episode 85 with Jana Busby, another consumer psychologist, which was exploring the psychology of change. So, you know, you can really learn a lot about people's reactions and emotions, and I want to help guide you so that you can make your transformation a success. So that's episode 85 of this podcast. And you can find that obviously by scrolling a little back through the archives. Do remember to hit subscribe for future episodes and I'll look forward to joining you next time on the Retail Transformation Show. Thanks and bye for now. Listener.